Rookie Thievers. Rookie Player Profile Edition. Welcome back to Rookie Fever, another Rookie Fever Player Profile. I am here with Mr. Kevin Coleman. I had to come in with the Mr. after talking to you before the show. At the boys underscore 22 on Twitter. Kevin, before I proceed with this introduction, I have to stop here and talk to you about the boys. Why is it? What's what's because I'm like the boys. Like, <laughs> is that what is the why is it? Why are there more than one of you? <laughs> so, and who are they? <laughs> so when I when I uh, when I first got on Twitter, I, I did not get on Twitter to be like an, an analyst or anything like that. It was during COVID, which March had happened or whatever, and I just joined and I was like, and I'm terrible. Like you, you'll find like I am not the creative person in the group. Like you know, anybody I work for, it's like I'm not that guy. And so I was like, all right, what am I going to do here? And I'm a Dallas, I'm a Dallas fan because of my grandpa. He was a huge Dallas fan. And, um, he, he passed away, and his favorite player was Emmett Smith. So I was like, you know, all right, let, let's get. I got to give an homage to my grandfather because the reason why I'm in the sports, I love sports, is because of him. And then it was like, oh, I'm a Cowboys fan. So the boys, the Dallas Cowboys, and then underscore 22. Because someone actually had the boys 22, believe it or not. So I had to put what? an underscore in there. So that's where it comes from. And then I kind of did this whole analyst thing, and um, I just don't want to change it. So that's just what it is. Like it, It's unique. It is what it is, and I'm just going to keep it. I don't want you to change it either. It'd be harder to find you. And sometimes people change it and you're just like, Oh, who is this now? And you're like, Oh, I think it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I was more, I saw the S I had to know people, people wanted to know, you think they're here for player profiles, but they're really like, what, why the boys? Yeah. yeah. Well, now they know. And now we know. So we're doing a rookie fever player profile. We have a lot of analysts coming in covering different players you get to choose who you're talking about. Kevin, who did you choose and why? Well, first of all, Kevin, I, I apologize because I got I got sidetracked by Du Bois. <laughs> I, I didn't mention Debbie Royale or the football guys, any of the work that you do. I, I try to do that, but I'm just having too much fun. So, what do you have going on at the football guys and Debbie Royal? I see you putting out a lot of different mocks and content. Yeah, we just dropped um, a huge rookie guy for the football guys. So um, they kind of came out together and asked me and Jeff and Christian to um, come up with come up a guide. So we actually did a 120 player profile guide already. Um, it's released. It's free. Um, if anybody out there and we did like a scouting report, strengths, weaknesses, draft projection, ideal fits, a player comps and. Uh, you can find that at Football Guys. It's completely free. Uh, this week or whenever this podcast drops, it will already be out. We also did our, our second edition of the Debbie Manifesto. Um, it's something we do for our patrons. It's kind of a side project um, where we put all the Power 5 depth charts together and player spotlights and mocks and all that kind of stuff for Debbie players out there. Um, it's something that I just love to do. That's why I got in this space in the first place. So those are the two big projects. And then, you know, stuff. Stuff around. I got articles I have to write. I'm way behind. I'm way behind on a lot of my <laughs> stuff and stuff. 120 players, though. That's no joke. No, that's deep. 
it was um it was ridiculous, Shane. And to be honest with you, it was um it was it was a lot of work and so we kind of broke up the work and broke up the positions. But yeah, we dived in and um I think there's 31 running backs, quarterbacks. I think we did about 20 of those or almost almost 20 of them. Wide receivers, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's like 79,000 wide receivers in this class. So like we got through as many as we possibly could. Um tight ends, which I think is a very good class. So uh, it was a lot of fun doing it though, okay? and especially you know, for football guys, never had something like that. So it's kind of like the groundbreaking, like, hey, we get to do this stuff. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot of work, dude. Yeah, there was. I mean, uh, even even being teamed up with those guys, Jeff and Christian. I mean, that's that's still a lot of work. Yes, uh, we spent a, lot, a few week, a lot of weeks on that, uh, and, and and even then, like the last week, even though we were close to done, I was spending probably. You know, putting the girl, my girls to bed about 7.30 and I was working about 2 a.m., five five straight nights, just trying to get it all in and get into the deadline. Um, so, yeah, definitely comes with a lot of work, a lot of love. Like, it's not something we just throw together, I promise. Like, we, we take our time on there. So, um, you know, it was something that we enjoy doing, though. You can't, you can't do that and not enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So, <coughs> QB1, who, who did you choose and why? Yeah, I took CJ Stroud. So he reached out. A lot of guys had already taken some of the fun guys in terms of like the other positions, but I know the quarterbacks were open. So I was like, you know, what? I'll take CJ. Uh, partly because a little bit of my own unbiasedness, I guess, because like I, I'm a huge Michigan fan. I hate Ohio State. So like that's on top of it. Like so, I have a little bias there. But also, I'm I'm one of the only Bryce Young QB one guys out there. So like I wanted to go back and look at CJ, kind of go through his tape. Um, so it was a little bit for me. Also dive into kind of maybe what I'm missing in terms of where he's at in the tiers and just like what his overall stuff was. So really, it's kind of twofold for me as a little bit like a refresher. Okay, well, let me look at CJ and also just to kind of give my thoughts on him going forward. Yeah. So what do you think he does well that'll make him successful in the NFL? Well, so CJ is an interesting one because, you know, he had an up and down year uh, last year, but then that Georgia game popped off. And like I think a lot of the things like if you're – if you're not like a film guy, if you're just like a talent, like, hey, I just want to watch one game. He just watched his Georgia game in the in the college football playoff, and that was his best game he's ever played. Um, I think some things highlighted in that game really what highlight him well at the next level. I think his ball placement is literally the I mean, it's it's legitimately the best of everyone on here. I think Bryce does have pretty good ball placement, but I think CJ's you know stature, six three, two eighteen, where he's listed right now, his and his ability to get it to all different levels of the field, like he he has ball placement that's elite like and and i think that's something to kind of stand and he knows how to level his throws too like he knows when to put something on it he knows when to kind of take it off a little bit he knows how to get it over defenses he does he doesn't wait for his guys to get open he throws them open like those are the that number one thing is really where i see the high level processor too like he, he can process the field well. He sees it well. He knows where it goes. Sometimes it's a detriment, though, because he always wants to make the perfect read. And I think that's like where you see sometimes taking sacks and other things. Like he's such a good processor that it actually will hurt him because he's not necessarily as instinctive as you would like. But that's just something that's going to get coached out. You can't do that in NFL. You die. They're just going to get just drilled. So I think he has that. And I think he's very mechanically sound. Like he is, he's improved so much. People don't know this, but he was a late breakout in high school. Like he didn't actually really start really playing well to his junior year. And in his senior years, when he started getting offers from all these guys, then he didn't play his freshman year at Ohio State. Then he comes in plays two years. And I thought, and I think mechanically, high level processor, pinpoint placement, like those things are what sets him apart on that tape. Yeah. So, and you say sets him apart. I don't think we're going to get out of this show without talking Bryce Young. You already said Bryce Young's your QB one. 
Is there going to come a point in this process that you're tired of hearing about Bryce Young's size? I mean, no, because that's that's what he is, right? Like, that's the biggest knock. Because if Bryce was 6'3", he'd be slam dunk 101. Okay, yeah. we know that. Like, so I, I get it. And and to be honest, like, yeah, he's my QB1, but him and CJ are literally neck and neck, tier one. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, like, there. So, like, you can – I could easily someone take a CJ over Bryce. There's not, nothing on my back. I want to see what they measure in out here at the combine coming up. Like, if Bryce is – if I would love Bryce just to be 5'11", man. Like, that would be great. <laughs> but I don't – I don't know what he's at. If he's at 5'10", like, in my opinion, like, I understand taking CJ. Because, like, one thing I was going to say was CJ's strengths, too, is, like, I think he's the safest floor of all these guys. Like, if you take CJ, you probably know where that floor is going to be. Bryce, I don't know where that floor is going to be based on that size, the the stature, kind of those things. Sometimes those timing issues with Bryce pop up because of his stature. So, like, CJ, from a physical tool standpoint he's a very solid floor like that's what you're looking at so i think that's what separates those two a little bit yeah and i mean bryce young doesn't even break 200 pounds no no probably not unless he's been eating his weedy unless hey he's supposedly working on it he's trying to put on some weight and if he's really at like 194 and then like okay he measures in or weighs in maybe 197 or if he gets that 200 mark okay you know like that would be great but again like I don't know if, Bry- if Bryce's frame's not like that. Like when you're looking at him overall, like I don't know if he can just put that on. You know how there are there are some guys that you're like, oh yeah, just put 15 pounds on. That's really hard. Not for me. My fat ass can put 15 pounds on really <laughs> easy. Like, but some people's frames you can't do that. So I think no, I, I I'm not I'm not upset about. it. I think that's a legitimate concern with Bryce. Yeah. So what kind of draft capital do you think will go into Stroud? In, in so, I mean, I know it's and I know it's like that top area, so it's kind of a a little bit of a, a concentrated question, but do you think anybody moves up to get him and maybe a good landing spot for him? Yeah. So like, you know, looking at this, I, I, there's been some talk about CJ being like QB four, like of the, of the guys. I don't see that. I think top 10 obviously is going to be in there when you're looking to that, like where he's being mocked, you know, mocked, I think it really comes down to this, this combine coming up and like how, like, how well does Anthony throw? Like Anthony Richardson and Levis and those guys, do they take another step? Like, does Richardson just wow guys? Because in that, I think the real kick cog in this is Richardson. Like, if he wows guys and, like, the NFL is like, hey, 101, like, hey, that's the guy, then, yeah, then CJ is going to take a little bit of a hit there. Um, but I think he fits pr- pretty much anywhere. I think a traditional downfield passing attack would be something that you would look for. Um, and I think, like, Having an above average offensive line is important for him because he does struggle under that stress, that pressure. Like he can struggle outside of pocket, outside of function. Like when he gets when he gets kind of pressured. So I think when you're looking at him, you want him to go to kind of a solid offensive line. I would love to go. Seattle makes a lot of sense. Like Seattle was one of those teams that I know Geno's there, but can we both agree that Geno's not gonna win you a championship? Like Geno is. Gino, like, and, and so yeah. if, if if Stroud could go there with the weapons, DK, you know, and then you have Tyler Lockett, they may add a wide receiver, they have Kenneth Walker back there, they have a pretty solid offensive line, like, that would be, I think, my ideal fit. I know some will put down the Colts, and I, and I don't hate that necessarily with their new offensive system coming in. The Texans are always fine, but I do think, like, we'd be worried about his long-term development just because we've seen teams like the Texans draft these guys before, and you're just like... Oh, here we go. Four or five years yeah. being sacked and all that. Yeah, I would love the Seahawks. The Seahawks, for me, I think it makes a ton of sense. I know they probably won't go that well, but they should. Yeah, and I agree on Gino. Like, he, it was a great year and a great story, but Pete Carroll even keeps mentioning, like, Drew Locke. And uh, 
I think Pete Carroll wants something else for some reason. I don't feel like they're super interested in paying Gino what he's going to want this year. But we'll have to see. But yeah, I don't. I don't mind that Seattle spot at all. What do you think his ceiling would be in Seattle? Well, we um, so we'll probably get canceled this. But what our player comp was <laughs> our player comp was Joe Burrow. To be honest with you, like I think that when you're looking at his his frame, his size, what he does well. I know Burrow was an LSU guy, but he did play at Ohio State. Um, you that would I think is his ceiling. Like if he could go to Seattle, has those weapons, plays within the system. I mean, he immediately, he probably, based on the quarterback landscape of how bad it is right now, probably QB 12-ish already, like gets drafted. Hey, this is where he's at. He's already kind of getting drafted around that anyway, based on some mocks that I've done and some dynasty kind of stuff I've worked on. So, yeah, I think his ceiling's there. And then there's no reason to believe you can't be a top eight guy in two years. I mean, look at Lawrence and look at Fields and kind of yeah. where these guys go. So if he went in that spot, I would love that. Like, that's what you're looking for. But immediately value-wise, right? Like, this is the conversation that we keep having in, 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 in Dynasty. And we see it all the time. Like, like I don't know. I don't even know where you're at. Do you take Bijan or CJ? Like, because, you know, Bijan's pretty much one-on-one all across the board right now. And, and I understand the value built in. He's already Dynasty running back one in some people's list to three. So you already have that built-in value. I get it. But CJ at the Superflex level, like, you could have a realistically top 12 guy for the next 10 years. And you're yeah. like, hey. Okay, I'll, I'll take that based on the landscape. So um, I think there's some interesting areas to think. Like we have a market at 102 in Superflex, but I, I do think that it wouldn't shock me to see some guys taking some shots on him at 101. If if their team's not ready, if someone maybe moves up, those type of things. Like I understand if, if these aren't sitting there, why you take? Yeah, I'm actually with you um, in because a lot of us play Superflex. So in a format like that, a Superflex format. I'm probably taking CJ Stroud 101, especially like if we get into anything above a 12 team format. If we go to 14 teams, 16 teams, the more teams you add, the more I want to move the quarterbacks up a little bit. I yeah. think Bajan's going to be tough to pass up when you're looking at him. If you need a running back, I mean, uh, some context could be involved for this um, and landing spots. A lot's going to change. But, but yeah, I think I would. Um, take a quarterback i don't i think people sometimes i think that our perspective is a little bit tainted on quarterbacks from last year's class and even yeah. the class before like people trying to figure out if they're waiting on trey lance or not people had too much zach wilson on their teams i think that we're a little sour right now <laughs> but i think when you're looking at it people are going to be like man i really actually do need a quarterback i i might lose aaron rad rodgers i just lost tom brady and matt stafford had another back spasm i don't know what to do you know that that's really where we're at today and um I, so yeah i don't think it's crazy at all to push the quarterbacks up no, I, I mean, look at, like, Kyler Murray. What do you do with Kyler Murray? Lamar has had his issues. I know you've talked about Lamar a lot, and I respect yep. your opinion on it. Like, how far do we, you have Lamar on there? Uh, Deshaun, did, mm-hmm. Deshaun looked okay last year. Like, towards the end, it looked like he maybe was coming around there. Like you mentioned with Lance Tua, another concussion means he might retire. Like, these are, like, yeah. legitimate guys that are in the top 15. Kirk Cousins, how long can old-ass Kirk Cousins out there just throwing five-yard outs to Hawkinson like, how, how excited are you moving forward with him? Daniel Jones, Goff, like, all these guys. Yeah. like And that's why at the running back position, when you're looking at it, and like, I'm not advocating taking Stroud over Bijan, but I, I will say, like, 
it's a conversation because at the running back spot, look at how different the running backs changes every year. Like Javante yeah. used to be running back three or four. Now the injury, you got JK who was in that same mm-hmm. spot. Chubb. Like you have all these guys. Yeah, like, Swift yeah, people, you know, oh, I mean, all of them. Right. Yeah. Dobbins still hasn't really mm-hmm. played. And even like you mentioned Lamar and the problem, I, I have to say this now, like it's never been that I don't like Lamar. It's always been that I don't agree with like the top two or three. And now it seems sure. like more and more people are kind of agreeing with that. And he's getting pushed down closer to where I thought he belonged. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take Lamar on my teams. I just can't afford him. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. But it, I think it's just these conversations we have to look at. Like, after the top six guys, there's some concern. I mean, yeah. Justin's going to be sitting there. Trevor will be sitting there. But, like, you know, so if Stroud shows he's well and, and, and plays well enough, you could seriously be talking about him being QB8 next year. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a good return based on my investment and where I'm at and then super flex. Like, so I, I think that's where I look at with Stroud. That's why I like I like a ceiling where he's at. And, again, I think he's pretty safe. Like, no no quarterback is truly safe because we've seen right. the position destroyed but i think he is the safest one out of all these guys yeah i I don't think that's crazy at all what about questions and concerns that would show that floor so the biggest thing for me is his 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 his, i don't want to say his inability but his he struggles under pressure like he he really like he did a pretty good job against georgia they didn't manufacture a ton of pressure a lot of four guys and and they tried to go after him and didn't work very well um, but there are times where defenses can get him under pressure and then they run like cover two and they'll flip kind of they'll, they'll flip different defenses. And he does a pretty good job of that reading. Like, I think he processes well, but as soon as he adds that pressure nonsense to it and, and kind of gets him off his game, he can struggle there. And that is always that's something scouts highlight. That's something scouts will talk about. I know that's a big knock. Daniel Jeremiah talked about it. And those other things like I think they're. Also, like, I knocked him in terms of, like, so it's kind of a twofold. Um, creating dynamic plays outside of structure. Like, and that kind of goes with running. Like, he does now. I don't want to, like, people to think he doesn't run. I, I truly think, like, Justin Fields didn't run either at Ohio State. I think it's a system thing. So, Ryan Day does not let his guys run. Like, Ryan Day, his quarterbacks do not run. He does not want a dual threat guy. He doesn't want you getting injured. Like, there's plenty of opportunities where you see that he could, could run, but he doesn't. So, I think that's more of a coaching thing. So it's kind of like, it's not that it's a checkbox, but I, I believe it's kind of an unchecked thing. Like, all right, if he's going to run more, then yeah, the ceiling goes even higher. But if he doesn't show that the ability to kind of add that rushing attack to his game, then yeah, I mean, that's going to be lower floor as well. Um, but it's the pressure thing. And I think that's where I always come back to where Bryce is incredible under pressure. So like for me, when I would to justify my, my QB rankings right now, like, that doesn't that doesn't scare me. And Bryce is a hell of an out of structure playmaker, whereas Stroud is not. Like Stroud does not he doesn't thrive under out of structure. He he thrives in structure, in the pocket, those type of things, climbing the pocket. So that's that's my biggest concern with Stroud. That's where I kind of take my hesitation. All right, unwillingness to kind of run, and then that pressure out of out of structure kind of things. And that's where I would say his his basically his ceiling or his floor is like okay, that that worries me a little bit. If you were if you were to rank, let's say, Kenny Pickett with this year's quarterback class, where do you think he would land? Ooh. He would be very him and Levis would be hanging out together somewhere. I would put him QB like four, five. Four or five. In that in that tier. Yeah. I I, Isn't that that was not crazy, a, dude. I, I was really yeah, but it makes sense with Kenny, right? Like I don't think Yeah. Um Kenny was a struggle. I, I was never really high on Kenny. Like I really wasn't high on a ton of guys last year. I just said if Malik got in first round because he could run, you'd be like, ah, eh, maybe maybe take a shot. 
But even then, I told everybody, do not draft quarterbacks because if you can just move and just kind of get one of these other guys. But no, I put him at four or five. You know, I agree. And you just have, that's where you'd have to have him. Man, like, so any, what, how do you feel about Malik Willis now? Like, we could do a completely different show if we start talking about too many of these guys. But you, you said you weren't high on Kenny Pickett. He was kind of just the only one that I felt was worth mentioning because he did get a shot to start yeah. next year. But do you have any... Are you going to buy low on Sam Howell, Malik Willis, like any of these guys that they hoping they might get a shot in the NFL? Desmond Ritter seems. Uh. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's worth it. Right. Like if you were going to buy if you were going to buy Sam Howell, buy him three months ago, bro. Like you shouldn't have waited yeah. until he was like the presumed starter. Like that's not how that works. Um, Ritter is kind of interesting, I guess. Like if you if you think he can have that rushing ability, but I don't. I don't see these guys being long-standing QBs in the NFL, right? They're stop gaps. So, yeah. like, if you if you need a stop gap, if you, like you mentioned earlier, if you lost Brady, you lost some of these guys in the back end, and, and let's say you're sitting at the 111 and you need a quarterback, I, I you know, the 111, like, I saw someone trade 202 for Howell. I still wouldn't do that, I don't think. Like, I, I think if I could if I could shift, like, the 111 for one of these, like, you know, Stafford, Wilson, someone like that, if you're sitting there and you're a contender and you, and you don't really want Levis and those guys there – um, that's fine. But other than those other guys, no, I, I don't think it's worth it to take a shot in those guys. I think the, I think it's just, it's a kind of like a sunk cost fallacy with those guys. Like no matter what you put in, I don't see any of them really elevating their game to a higher than a QB two. And we've known every year we do this every year. There's dudes that pop up that have those QB two seasons that you can just kind of add. You can look at yeah. the of our injuries. Like, you know, th- those are the other things that you're looking for in terms of like those quarterbacks. But no, I, I'm out. I, I don't think those guys, you know, have a role. I think Hal could start great, but again, what is that? That coaching staff might get fired next year, like in <laughs> reality. So then they bring yeah. in their own guy, and now we're talking about the same thing with them. Right? If he starts, you got to trade him. That's like yeah. Davis Mills type stuff right there. Yeah, and exactly. I mean Malik Willis lost his job to Joshua Dobbs last year. Yep, it's Not craziness. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your guy? Your guy in this 2023 NFL draft? Your guy. Oh, I can pick anybody now? Your guy, man. You're going to leave all of your rookie drafts with him. You're trying to add him to your Debbie Leagues now if you can. Um, you want him you on know, all your teams. You know, it's it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's not chalk after how he's been he's been getting talked about. But it's Jackson, Smith the Jigba, uh, JSN. Like I, um, I've been, uh, you know, two years ago, and this, again, I was very high on JSN. Um, when he played with Alave and Garrett Wilson that summer before, I put out a video saying that JSN could be the wide receiver two on that roster behind Garrett. Um, and I remember Debbie Kane gave me some crap and he was laughing at me and stuff. I was like, no, I think JSN's very good. Like you look at all of his levels, every level he's played at, he's been, he's been a phenomenal. Um, he fits exactly what the NFL wants, you know, and he's not small. Six foot 200 is where he's listed at. I'm, I'm interested to see where he kind of measures in at, finds zones really well, transitions in the yak opportunities really well. Like, I, to me, if, if I'm going to – obviously, if I'm not going to take the top guy, but Dijon and those guys, like I feel like JSN's that guy. He's that guy that I think is going to get slept on. He's fallen as far as 109 in some mocks that I've done. Like If he's going to go in that route, I will move up to go get him. Like JSN, to yeah. me, is that guy that I'm, I'm willing to go take a shot on. That sounds like a sweet spot. I'm having trouble this year. Like I mentioned this on another show, but – People will give you offers for like your 108 to let's say 110 for conversation's sake that yeah. seem pretty strong. But I keep thinking like, man, who's going to fall to me there? Like, yeah, 
if I hit there, like there, you know what I mean? There's been some decent, I've gotten Herbert there. I've gotten Metcalf there, Waddle there. Like there's been some decent hits in that area. So it's been tough for me to let go of those. In my opinion, and you're 100% correct, the 108 is the spot. Like, if you move from 108 to anything else further down, there's a tier. There's a very big tier. And we haven't even seen the tier yet with the draft capital stuff. So, I think 108 is the spot where you're sitting there. And unless you get one of those offers where you're like, yeah, like, I got to take this, that's the, that's where you wait until you're on the clock in your rookie drafts. Because you're going to be able to extract a lot of value from that spot. Because I think that there are some guys, like you mentioned, that are going to fall there. And then that's when that's when it gets fun, right? That's why we play that. Yeah. You're sitting there on the clock, and let's say Richardson does go top ten, but you know for some reason he's falling in your guys' draft, and you're sitting one away. You know, you just know you you and me playing at Ugly, some dude's gonna fall in love with that dude, and they're gonna yep. be, oh I gotta get him. And then that's where you kind of that's where you win, right? That's how you kind of do it. The one away to me is that tier after one hundred nine, it gets a little ugh. And then you know I think two hundred four ish, like one hundred nine to two hundred four. There's still some value there running back wise. Um, but yeah, that 108 mark, exactly what you meant. Like that is kind of where you're seeing the value go. And if, if JSN, those guys follow you there, you can hit on those easily. Yeah. How about that guy that you will not touch? He's on your team and now it's tainted. You want him <laughs> gone. Um, I, I, I'm, so, I'm moving. I'm not touching Sean Tucker. So Sean Tucker for me is um, he gets talked about a little bit higher than, than most. Um, I think he's very divisive, you know, when you're looking at him overall. Um, I think he has that track background that a lot of people like. So that's where they talk about his speed, his burst, his cuts, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think he struggles with vision and patience behind his blocks. Um, second level to identification and be and his agility there. I think he can struggle there in traffic. Like, and he's in space, yeah. Like, he did well. Like, his sophomore year was really good. You watch his sophomore tape. So I don't know if you – we're on Twitter way too much. But if you're on Twitter, like, I always laugh because, like, I'll see Tucker highlights. And it's always from his sophomore year. It's never from his junior year. Like when you're, and you're just like, and there's a reason because his sophomore year, he did, he will, he was a very solid running back. And in his junior year, he struggled. Defenses were able to keep him in space. They were able to kind of keep him tight. Um, and, and he, he struggled with his contact balance compared to his size. Like there were things that popped off that you're like, Oh, that worries me a little bit. Um, and he was exclusively in a zone scheme offense too in college. So that's the thing that you got to look. He needs that wide zone, one cut, one cut and go guy kind of scheme. So where he gets drafted, you better make sure he has that. Because if he doesn't, I don't think he's going to be a very solid fit. So for me, I mean, I saw him go. We, we actually had a real draft already um, mm-hmm. because we're degenerates. I saw him go at 105. And that is way wow. too high. Wow. Holy cow. Superflex? Superflex. Wow. So he was running back too. And to me, like, that's way too high. And this is the, this is the concern about drafting early. Because there's a lot yeah. of like scouts and there's a lot of pro guys that talk about, it. and and again, we're only as good as what we think we are. Like, and, it's and I'll fun. Be Don't get me wrong, yeah. it's fun. It's fun, but at the, at, at, but it, the scouts know, and like, there's a lot of scouts and there's a lot of people that are in tune with it, where they're really worried about Tucker and his draft capital. So, I mean, imagine putting a 105 value on him, and then he goes in the fourth, fifth round, and you're gonna yeah. be really pissed at yourself. And like, so Tucker to me is just getting overvalued right now. I, maybe it'll come back around. Like we comped him to Miles Sanders in terms of like his play style. If okay. that's a ceiling, I guess you're kind of happy with it. I don't know. Miles has kind of been back and forth, underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean, this last year he looked okay, but like for me, it just depends where Tucker's going. If he's going to the first, I'm probably out. Yeah, that's tough, man. I mean, imagine drafting. We already brought him up, but imagine drafting Malik Willis like 101 or 102 this time last year, and, and, and how you would feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> And people did, right? And and yeah, and, they and, absolutely and, did. 
and what I did, and I tell, so I had this conversation the other day on a live stream, and somebody asked me, like, oh, how do you approach having drafts prior to the NFL draft? And, and the biggest advice I can give you is just you take guys with, you know, less risk. Like, that's yeah. the only way you do it. Like, because we're not smart enough to, like, people will say they're smart enough, but, like, a lot of us are not smart enough to know exactly where these guys are going to go. Like, so, like, for me, I just have a, I literally have a no, do not draft list of guys. And if I miss, okay, I miss. But it, it, I'm yeah. looking for that higher floor. Like, okay, I know this guy probably has a scheme. Like, so, for, I know this isn't, the, we're just going all over the place, but it's cool. Zach Sharp. Oh, no, you're fine. I love it. For me, like, Charbonnet is not someone that I love, but I think NFL teams are going to love him. And I, I think NFL teams might be like, hey, we'll give him a role. So, like, if I'm sitting on the clock and I feel like it's Sharbs or Tucker, yeah, Tucker might have a higher ceiling based on some things I've seen. But Sharp mm-hmm. might be one of those guys that has a higher floor of, like, I know he's probably going to find at least a couple-year role in the NFL. And if I'm on a clock before the rookie draft or before the NFL draft and a rookie draft, I'll take Sharps. Like, it was like last year. I don't have any Malik. I don't have any Ritter. I don't have any of those guys. Yeah. As much as I said, hey, same, those guys yeah, might. Same, I don't have any of them on my roster because I said, hey, if you're drafting pre, and I tried to be very upfront with this, like, if you're drafting pre-NFL draft, do not draft those guys because it does no good for you. Like, you're just going to bottom out more than likely 90% of the time. So just take the higher floor guys and the less risk guys. I do have a little too much Isaiah Spiller, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like those late, like, yeah. like that area that you kind of said to shut it off this year, even. It was like that 205 to 208. I looked back, like, that's a lot of where I was getting my Isaiah Spiller, but man, I was way too. Because there's still, even though you're like, oh, it was only a 205 or a 208, you can still look and see, like, the other players you wish you had. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> And we all have those. Like, and oh, we yeah. do that all the time. Like, if anybody says they don't, they're lying. Because we all have those guys. I, I, I thought Spiller would be much better than he was, like, in terms of, like, and then when you heard the rumblings, you're like, ah, this sucks. But, the, but then you land in a spot, you're like, maybe, maybe he could do that. Like, maybe he can kind of get some t- and run there behind Eckler and those things. And it yeah. didn't work out. Like, Instead, we um, get, like, year three Joshua Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Joshua, he's in my nightmares, bro. Like, Josh Kelly, like, just. Stealing volume from all these guys, I'm like you, <laughs> son of a gun! Like, and, and never good enough volume to where I can start you. Just, just enough yep. to just be a pain in my butt. Exactly. One last question. We'll get you out of here. What's some advice that you would give people as they navigate this off season, whether it's rookie related, Debbie related, campus to Canton, just something that you're doing to some of your your teams, some tweaks to make as we go through all this. Yeah, you know, I'll go Debbie on this. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that because I know that new people get into Debbie every year, and I think there's a big mistake they make, and it's overdrafting quarterbacks. Um, and it's it, it's it's out there. So I've done plenty of mocks recently with this, and I, I did a couple startups with Debbie. And like Arch Manning goes at the 104 overall, and you know Arch is a player coming in, and everybody knows the Manning name, and you know Peyton, and and it's his nephew, and all that. Um, but like over time, we've seen all these guys, Spencer Rattler, DJU, um, all these guys that we talked about being like these hot top, you know, quarterbacks, they overdraft them. And then they get into this category where it's all sunk cost. And, and so like the biggest thing I say, there's only three quarterbacks right now. I feel comfortable drafting before the four round for four or four rounds. Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. Yes. You take Caleb because Caleb's probably one one But again, we've seen him fall. Like it, there's still risk involved, but it's not as much. Um, Drake May from North Carolina. But I will say I'm hesitant if he's going like top five. I think that's a question mark of where you want to do that value. And then Drew Aller from Penn State. So out there, 
kind of your neck of the woods. Not 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 that close, but Bauer, Michael Bauer from Dynasty Wise neck of the woods. So Penn State, Aller, I think Aller's one of those guys, four rounds, like he's going like the late second, early third is the guy that I would take. But some of these other quarterbacks going in that round, like you don't do that. You avoid those guys. You take the talents on the board. I'm a best player available type of guy. So you just do that, especially because in Debbie, one thing that I, I think is is other important to this and to kind of ties in the quarterbacks, you have to really trade these guys value-wise. There's so many opportunities to kind of win your leagues rather than just wait. And we've seen these guys shift their value so much. So mm-hmm. if you take best player available, it's so fun just to kind of extract that value and then trade them to like these rebuilding teams while you build up year after year, like these really good NFL side teams. Like So there's value to be had there. And that's why you do best player available where quarterbacks, there's such hit, there's such miss rates on those guys that you can't do that because then they're just stuck on your roster. Yeah, I love that you brought that part up into this too because I feel like that is a mistake that that we all make. But I feel like at the Devi level, it happens a little bit different because you build these relationships with the players, <laughs> yeah. and um, you want to hit, you see little things, and it's kind of an unhealthy relationship. And then sometimes you realize, like when you let go, it's kind of tough but you rip that band-aid off and sometimes the grass is greener on the other side <laughs> yeah and I, and I think it's yeah you can't get too emotionally involved with these guys and i think that can happen too like with the rookie process too like there's guys where i'm like hey i've had these guys on my roster for three years of course they're good and you have to really be like no dumbass like it's a whole other system now like now it's like uh, okay you gotta take the whole story in the case and i think that's where some guys miss um and yeah. that's something i've gotten better at because before i was like no i've seen it i processed it um, and, and I think guys missed on, I can't even think of a Texas A&M tight end that was really highly thought of last year. And then he ran like a four, nine or five, whatever the 40. Oh, um, and, and uh, Colts, is he on the Colts? He, he got drafted by, I thought the bills, um, or he got picked up. He was an undrafted free agent, but I cannot remember his name now. That's how, that's how bad it is. Um, that, but he was being, Hey, tied in one this whole time. And a lot of people yeah. had him as their tied in one, um, because Hey, were you looking at it? They thought, hey, of course, Weidemeyer. That was his name. I had to look it up. So um, Jalen Weidemeyer and people had him as their tight end one because in Debbie, they were, he was tight end one. Consensus. And then he ended up going undrafted, which is unheard of. And then I think people have started like shifting away from that. So don't fall in love with those players, man. Like move them, ship them. Yeah, you got to be very active in Debbie because especially Debbie, your team's going to get old really, really fast because if you miss a lot of those guys and they're sitting there, it's really hard to kind of come back from that. Yeah, I, I do it with my... Um like my deal players, like the players that you kind of hit on, like, um, like Amon Ross St. Brown. Yes. Um, where you kind of, you, and I'm talking before everybody was into Amon, like when you kind of have him, like I, he's my highest roster wide receiver and it's not because I ever paid full price. And at this point it would probably be like, kind of safer for me to diversify a little bit and move some of those at like this profit that I've really gained, you know, that's, but my profit instead I'm taking as production, but those are the ones that I build the unhealthy relationships with James Robinson, maybe a better example because I could have gotten out um, and done much better, but I, I had a lot of James Robinson. I built my, relationship with him and i i wrote it out instead like those are the ones that for some reason i build on healthy relationships like the ones where everybody's kind of um crapping on you for liking them and for like being behind it and then when it hits those are the ones that for some reason i have a hard time letting go of so i I think that's great advice 
Yeah. And we're all humans. We all do that. Like it happens, and we all want to be. We all know. We all want to pretend like we know what we're doing, right? That, that's yeah, cool. and like, it, it all comes with a feeling, you know. And yep. Um. Yeah, it, it's tough, man. So, hey, man, I super appreciate you. Anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? I know you did a little bit at the beginning of the show, but no, no, uh, just you know, follow. You know, um, make sure that if, if you want, like, if you're on YouTube too, we're we're almost up to two thousand subs on our YouTube channel at the Debbie Royale, and it's like a pet project of ours just kind of me and, and the guys so if you if you like youtube content we do um four or five videos a week uh debbie a little bit of dynasty mixed in there but mostly debbie um so if you're interested in that go go check us out yeah do that man i need to be better about that too just getting on and subscribing to some stuff instead of just watching it so <laughs> i will do that as well you guys do it with me Never it's at the boys underscore 22 on twitter i am at swagzilla zero g on no twitter be sure to follow at artbark tv on yeah, twitter and at rookie fever and we are out when you kiss me when you hold me tight In the morning, we're all through the night. Sun lights up the daytime, moonlights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you're gone, gonna treat you right. Rookie fever. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing Fever started long ago now Who got the one-on-one scout And it's never done this to be going run I told you anyone Size and speech just unreal Landing spot not ideal Wait, what's this breakout A full rookie fever stage Romeo loved Juliet Juliet, she felt the same When he pulled his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my friend I'll give a fever When we kiss it Fever without planning you Fever I'm a fire Fever, yeah, I burn for soon Cause I got the fever, now you got the fever, so she got the fever, and he got the fever, no cure for the fever, so let's feed the fever, thank God for the fever, thank God for the fever. Fever, now you got the 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 f